Hello there, and thanks for joining me in today's podcast. Cutting. Girls who cut. A uh, study was done recently, kind of an informal survey by a um, magazine, primarily uh, read by women, asked the question about their experience in cutting. 41% of the women who responded, 41% admitted that they had mutilated themselves previously themselves. They had a child who had been a cutter or who was a cutter. And they knew someone who self-mutilates. So you see, self-mutilation is a relatively um, well-known phenomenon, behavior pattern, and prevails among us to a very extensive degree. 41% of the women either do it, know somebody who does it, or has a child that does it. Wow. So what is this deal about cutting? Self-mutilation. <clears throat> Well, first of all, we have to know what it is, okay? So let's just kind of identify what self-mutilation or cutting is all about. We define it as cutting, self-injury, self-mutilation, self-violence. It not only includes cutting, but also scratching, picking scabs, burning, punching, bruising, breaking bones, or pulling out your hair. Okay, so death is not usually the purpose or the goal or what is intended, uh, but sometimes happens by virtue of the infection that is created or the accidental seriousness of the cut that a girl makes on herself. Now, I use the word girl because primarily this is a female phenomenon. 60 to 70% of those that self-mutilate are females. 60 to 70 percent. So boys do it, but to a much lesser extent. So it's not a female problem as such, but in many ways it is when you have 60 to 70 percent of those that self-mutilate. So anyway, that's there's a lot of ways in which somebody cuts. It's not just taking a razor blade and cutting the skin, but it's all these other ways in which cutting can be uh, imposed upon oneself. Now, Let's take a look at some of the facts or the statistics, you know, related uh, to cutting or self-mutilation. We sometimes refer to it. 1.5% of all Americans deliberately harm themselves. Now, that's not very many. 1.5%. But it is a fact that does represent a lot of people who self-mutilate and deliberately do so. 12% of college students admit to harming themselves. 12% of the college students, whether they live at home or whether they live in a dorm or whatever, college students cut. 12%. 60-70% are women. 35 to 80% of these that cut also battle another problem at the same time. We call it an eating disorder, anorexia. In other words, <clears throat> usually it's a dual problem, a dual uh, diagnosis, so to speak, that we have to use. An eating disorder and a cutting behavior, self-harm. Uh, Self-injury usually starts in the adolescent years and then lasts 
for five to ten years, sometimes longer, particularly if it goes untreated. So you see, if you just ignore it, it's going to go on and on and on. But if you do something about it, it can be successfully treated and brought to a conclusion. 90% of those that self-injure begin cutting or burning themselves as teenagers. And then it extends to about age 20 to 30. What do you mean by teenager? Well, we're talking about 14-year-olds. Not uncommon to have this behavior start among girls that are about 14, 15 years of age. 16 years of age. Right in that age range. And that's when parents need to be very observant. You need to look at the legs and the arms of your daughter. And son to some degree. The stomach. Those are the three areas of the body that are cut. The arms, the legs, and the stomach. The legs can be cut up high towards the thigh or cut low down towards the ankle. But you need to observe your child's body and look for signs of any cutting, any scarring, any bleeding, particularly if it's recent. You want to make sure you have observed that and you are aware of it. So you can begin to take action. But here's what happens during the cutting process. It's a activity that releases the endorphins of the body, of the brain, which then creates a sense of peace, a sense of calmness. You see? It's a sense that one is depressed and angry and uh, fearful and anxious. And then upon cutting, there's this kind of an excitement that takes place, this thrill, this challenge that takes place. And the endorphins are released from the brain and into the emotional areas of the brain, which then releases this biochemistry and then react and then gives a sense of calmness or comfort. It's self-medication if you think of it that way. It's a way to create a self-medication approach to life. And it can go on. Particularly if the person finds it to be helpful. That is peaceful. And no one intervenes. No one intercedes. No one stops it. No one notices it. So that's kind of what the cutting thing is all about. And every therapist, every counselor has to be alert to signs of cutting, particularly in a child that is chronically depressed or sad, lonely, social skills are minimal, social relationships are minimal, and where there is this pain, this kind of internal pain, this crying out for help, this crying out to be noticed, this crying out for somebody to come to them and put their arms around them and love them and support them and there are many parents that are available to do that for some of these kids. So they go without that kind of parental support and love and care. Or from grandparents or from whomever. So this cry for help. And the cutting is a cry for help. It's a cry to be noticed. It's a cry for peace in their life. It's a cry out for 
the reduction of pain and loneliness and exclusion and this fear associated with that. So what does a parent do? What does a parent do? Their kid cuts. Their child's friend cuts. They know people in their social group that cut. What do you do? Well, you address it. You confront it. You deal with it. You start asking questions. What are you doing? How long have you been doing this? When do you do it? How do you do it? Now, they don't know why they do it. Nobody knows why they do it, so that question doesn't help. But you can ask the where, what, when, and how kind of questions. All you can ask. And then you can begin to intercede and take some action. Now, this is a case for a psychologist. This is not a time when you refer somebody to a pastor. This is not a time to refer somebody to their physician. This is not a time to refer to somebody uh, who is just a master's level trained therapist or counselor of some kind. You're dealing with a deep, deep pain, emotional pain in the body of an individual that needs to be confronted, that needs to be dealt with, that needs to be uh, opened up, so to speak. And the therapy must be firm and brisk and direct and confrontive, but it needs to be a behavioral cognitive approach to therapy. This is not a problem that you treat with medication. Although some of these kids in the early stages of treatment might have some medication for a month or two or three, but that's all. This is not a medication approach. This is a counseling approach. This is a talk therapy issue that has to be dealt with. And that's the role of the parent, is to hook up the child and hook up themselves up with somebody that will meet with them. And I must also say this. This is not a problem to be treated separately from the family, separately from the parents. Whatever therapist gets involved, whatever therapist you hire to deal with it, make sure that that therapist not only sees your child who cuts, but sees you as a parent of the cutter, mother, father, and anybody else that's relevant to that child's life. The child's life's at stake. The child's future's at stake. We have to take it from that context. This is a serious, serious problem. And that uh, it usually is among girls that do not want to talk. They do not want to relate to anybody. They do not want to tell their story. Sometimes it's a male therapist that they will. Sometimes it's a female therapist. But you've got to find a therapist that they'll talk to. Just give them an alternative, a male or a female. Older or younger. But it should be a psychologist that has trained and experienced in working with cutters. This isn't somebody for a novice. This is not a therapy for a novice therapist. This is somebody who's had experience and experience in dealing with this kind of problem. So, that's my advice to you as parents. Cutting can be successfully terminated. The child can be successfully treated. The problem can be successfully addressed and resolved. But it's going to take concerted effort. It's going to take three to six months of therapy. Regularly. 
Okay? So, if you're wondering what to do, go to Barnes & Noble and go get a book on the topic. There are a number of topics or a number of books out there that deal with this kind of an issue. And um, you can find them in Barnes & Noble. I mean, there are just many different kinds. There's no one particular book that you may want to deal with. But um, find out how you can be helped, who can help, and, and how they can be of help to you at this time in your life when you're dealing with this kind of a problem. Okay? Thanks for joining me today, and I do want you to pay attention to the Pregnancy Care Center here in Fresno. They've recently moved to Olive Street in Van Ness. It's Their address is 1127 East Olive, which is on the corner, or almost the corner, of Olive and Van Ness. So, go down there and talk to them. If there's a crisis pregnancy in your life, or you know somebody that's in a crisis pregnancy situation, you have to make a decision. There are alternatives. There are ways to think it through. Ways to be supported, ways to be encouraged, ways to be dealt with in this kind of a time in the person's life. So provide some help and provide some hope by going to or going with or referring somebody to the Pregnancy Care Center in Fresno. Now, if you don't live in Fresno, there's always these pregnancy care centers in your community around the country. Many of them. Find one that's close to you and Go to them. There's a lot of options involved at a time in your life when you have a crisis pregnancy. So I refer you to the Pregnancy Care Center in your community. Hey, thanks for joining me today on uh, this particular podcast, and uh, thanks for being part of it. We're now moving on to almost 26,000 hits, listening times and occurrences that have occurred over the past year and two months. So we're on the rise. So thanks for being part of the audience. And I will look forward to you joining me again. Remember, my website, booksbyhedberg.com. Okay, bye for now.